of the 700,000 or so existing podcasts, 50 to 75% of them are no longer in production. Yeah, yeah. So you're picking up copies of existing podcasts because a lot of people who get into this business or get into the whole idea of podcasting really aren't totally familiar with everything that's involved, not just in creating it, but maintaining it. And we did an entire podcast on that, podcast number 76, Mm -hmm. where we discussed all that. Right. And with the proliferation of podcasts being bought up by the larger media giants, I guess the question is, where does that leave podcasting as we move forward? You're listening to The Sill Podcast, perspectives on art and technology with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Episode 93, Time Trek, Podcasting, Birth and Beckoning. We are the voice. We are the people. And we're here with another episode of the Sill Podcast. Yes. Which is just one of the currently existing 700,000 plus podcasts with over 29 million largely U.S.-based episodes available for consumption. That's incredible. And this is a rise in an evolution that didn't take that long. When did it start? 15 years, roughly. 2004. Wow. Okay. There Who were, started it? What happened? Well, the two guys that are credited with podcasting are Dave Weiner and Adam Curry. Dave Weiner was a, a software developer yep. who uh, was working with a thing called audio blogging, which was the precursor of podcasting. And Adam Curry, of course, was a very well-known DJ, MTV guy. Oh. And the two of them worked on the idea of distributing audio and being able to access it more freely on the internet for purposes of, i.e., audio blogging and so on. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, this went on for a couple of years, tweaking uh, not just Adam Curry and Weiner, but a few other individuals, which we won't get into at this point. So they finally came up with what is known as RSS, really simple syndication which is a methodology and a technology to be able to connect audio or podcasts and be able to distribute them. Without getting too technical, can you at all describe how RSS works? Well, essentially, without getting too technical, you, the user, has to be able to know or be able to access these files. And this coding allows you, by simply clicking on a button, it's like an address where all these files are stored. And that feed has all the information with that file, the title, uh, the content, the description, metadata, whatever it entails. And that allows you to access it quickly and easily. And it was really brought into prominence by Apple and iTunes. The first time it came out was in 2004 with Apple iTunes version 4.9. It evolved considerably since then Mm -hmm. to the point of 2014, when Apple actually created the podcast app uh-huh. um, on their phones, which automatically did these things by simply 
doing a search for the actual podcast mm -hmm. and the RRS feeds were used in that system. And the kind of the proliferation of the cell phone has really made the difference in terms of the rise of podcasting. Is that correct? Absolutely. And the word podcasting, which comes from a combination of iPod and broadcast. It's a portmanteau word. It's a portmanteau like word. Like email or emoticon. Right, right. Exactly. The word iPod was from the development by Apple of the original iPod. Yeah. Which was prominently for music. Mm -hmm. To be able to, as Steve Jobs presented it, a thousand songs in your shirt pocket. Yeah. That was the idea. And of course, the evolution to podcasting was pretty straightforward when you think about it, because all you were doing was replacing music with spoken word. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So it's, right. it's still about distribution of audio content. Mm -hmm. And uh, so in 2004, this all was made possible by Apple with their distribution of iTunes version 4.9. Right, right. And as a matter of fact, as I understand it, in 2005, the word podcast itself became the word of the year, according to the New Oxford American Dictionary. Correct. Right, so it was brought into the lexicon and given kind of uh, the stamp of authority or something. Right, and as you know, explaining how Oxford actually comes to the decision of a word of the year. It really is the general usage and, of course, social media has a lot to say about what words are used and become currency, mm. whether it's LOL or what have you. And the dictionary people, they don't ignore that anymore. And they actually take these words and they go, okay, enough people use them as currency. It's part of the language, mm -hmm. the act of language. Let's put it in the dictionary, right. basically. So here we are 15 years into it, 2019. And to give you some quick overview... Just over half, or about 51% of the U.S. population over the age of 12 has heard at least one podcast in their life. And about a third of that same group listens to them at least once a month, which is about three and a half times more people than were doing that same thing in 2008. Okay? Yeah. And 2019, by the way, saw the largest single year listenership increase with a 6% uptick over 2018. And is that due to the cell phone proliferation, you think, or something else? No, I think, uh, well, there are a couple of pivotal moments in podcasting. There's the technology, obviously, but that technology has been around for a while now. Smartphones have been pretty much uh, entrenched in our system now for about 10 years. Of course, they're evolving and always improving, but it's been since 2007, 2008, we've had the uh, yeah. smartphones. Yeah. The real push with podcasting came more from the artistic side than it did from the technological. The content side. The content, which was a thing okay. called Serial. Yes, I remember when it came out. Right? Yes, it was an intriguing idea. Intriguing idea, which just blew up, in a matter of speaking. Right. Millions of downloads to the point of when calibrating the actual figures, as of now, because it's been an ongoing series since 2014... So it's yeah. been on for five years, and there's been over 340 million downloads. Of that. Of that. And it was a, a spinoff from My American Life, as I understand. Correct. So another extremely popular. Yeah, crime-based audio, which seems to garner a lot of interest. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Mm -hmm. And so that really brought it into prominence. It got a lot of people talking about podcasting because the real aficionados of drama and audio took to it immediately. And yeah. then, of course, they told their friends, and then the media got hold of it because it's just of the sheer volume. And then there were a couple of prominent people, a fellow by the name of Adam Carolla, which you may know. No, tell me about him. 
Uh, well, Adam Carolla was in the industry and started the uh, podcast Adam Carolla in 2009. And over a two-year period, he garnered almost 60 million downloads. Whew. Wow. Uh, he still holds many records in that area. I don't think anyone's exceeded his particular level of attention or downloads for his shows. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, Gervais, the uh, English uh, comedian. Ricky Gervais, yes. Yeah, he also uh, set his own record back in 2007, then, of course, surpassed by Adam Carolla. But again, these were prominent names and reasons behind the push uh, of podcasting. And then, of course, uh, as this developed, you also had a change in the cross-section of listeners. Right. Uh, The level of interest is increasing on the female side. Yeah. And one of the results, I think, being the increased focus on advertising revenues and ad placements, because traditionally in the home, in the West anyway, Mm -hmm. the woman is the main buyer of much of what is consumed in the home. As much as 85% responsible directly or indirectly for all purchases made. Right, so the monetization of podcasting is more of a recent thing connected to these kinds of developments, right? That's one of the developments it's connected to, but the primary, or what they're saying is the primary reason behind the advertising, is that podcasting in itself is a very intimate medium by nature. Right. Because people choose to listen to a particular podcast you've got virtually their undivided attention. Right. And more importantly, once people listen to a podcast a few times, the primary reason why they listen to the podcast beyond the actual subject matter is they take a particular liking to the host or hosts. Right. Which is why we're so wildly popular. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) Uh, And so what happens, though, interestingly, from an advertising perspective is, You develop this relationship, which really supports the element of trust. Mm. And trust is instrumental in the selling of products or services. So, for example, if I'm sitting here talking to you, and we've been doing this for a year or two, and I say the microphone that I'm using today and have been using for the last year or so is such and such. Mm. By virtue of me saying that and you being a listener who either likes the program or maybe considering doing a program yourself, you're going to pay attention to the microphone that I mentioned. Sure. It's like incidental product placement or something. Right. right? And I'm not pushing it because it's part of my natural conversation with you. Yeah. So I don't have to break for a commercial and with the usual stuff that a lot of people don't want to hear. Yeah. This show is brought to you by... Exactly. So the advertisers realize that if they do put something on a particular podcast, which is popular primarily for the hosts that are actually hosting the show, then the percentage of people that will purchase Mm -hmm. that particular product or service goes up significantly. I want to take us back a bit prior to or at the beginnings of Napster is a company that is of interest. What's the role of Napster? Napster was there in the early days before podcasting. Mm-hmm. Four or five years before. Well, Napster was huge in music and the MP3 evolution. Yes. Right? So Napster allowed, and primarily at the time it was college students who were just uh, wanting all this music that was available. Of course, there were a lot of legal issues. uh, Closed down a number of times. Again, copyright and so on. Because suddenly you could now access all this music in an MP3 format, which ultimately also led to the development of devices, including the iPod. 
by Steve Jobs and Apple. Right. Uh, that was a huge part of it because of the music. So what Napster did, it brought into the limelight the whole concept of digitizing audio. Uh-huh. Right. So obviously a number of things happened between 1999 and 2004, but a lot of it was fine-tuning and adapting and so on. And then, of course, bandwidth really grew on the internet, which now permitted a much larger volume yes. of passage of file sizes and just sheer volume yeah. of mm -hmm. audio that could be transmitted back and forth and picked up. And right. so you had this evolution into audio period, not just music, but audio in general. Right. Now, even going back further, yeah. I'm going to keep going back in time. Sure. Uh, I'm going to go back to the 60s yeah. in Britain and the whole idea of pirate radio. Ah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That was, uh, most of it was on the water, on the seas. Yes. And it was really individuals, unlicensed, yep. kind of taking over the airwaves in their own way, putting their own content on the airwaves mm -hmm. for people to listen to. Mm -hmm. That impulse to kind of take control of media in some yes. ways connects to how podcasting evolved too, doesn't it? Absolutely, because one of the key things behind podcasting is the sheer volume and variety that exists within the medium. Yes. I mean, you have people from knitting socks to diets to... Circus performers. Cir like whatever it is. Endless. Yep. Endless, yeah. But what it does is it circumvents the traditional role of radio, which is very structured, has certain restrictive elements to it, yep. and is completely covered over by newscasts, weathercasts, uh, right. advertising, yep. and so on. And uh, it doesn't always necessarily address mm -hmm. in any length the type of information that individuals are seeking. Right. It's become the printing press of the 21st century. The Gutenberg Press, yeah. which resulted in not only books being printed, but broadsheets right. that local, say, uh, revolutionaries, for example, could use to put in public with their a manifesto, let's say, mm -hmm. uh, drawing support to their group and to their movements. Exactly. Luther putting his uh, broadsheet on the church door. So all of this is all about taking control of information and who gets to see what information. And information is power, is the phrase. Yeah. You know? And it, it always has been that way, only the technology hasn't been there to disseminate it to such a degree mm -hmm. that there is now. Uh, through, for example, podcasting and social media. So it's all about information control, and it's the democratization of information, essentially, is what we're talking about. Box, box. So, what's your story? Please welcome the owner of Seasons Eatings, Pete Schwetty. <laughs> welcome. How are welcome, you? Pete. We like the name of your store. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh. Now, did I pronounce your name uh, correctly? You sure did. Pete Schwetty. <laughs> well, Pete, Terry and I have been looking forward to having you on the show because we know you're the master of all kinds of Christmas goodies. Tell us about them. Well, there are lots of great treats at this time of year. Zucchini bread, fruitcake. Mm. But the thing that I most like to bring out at this time of the year are my balls. <laughs> your balls, Pete. Well, over at Seasons Eatings, we have balls for every taste. Popcorn balls, mm. cheese balls, rum balls, you name mm. it. Wow. 
My mouth's watering just thinking about those guys. It's been years since I've seen any balls. Would you like to see my balls now? Yeah, yeah. Whip them out. Whip them, baby. You have some beautiful balls. They're bigger than I expected. I know a lot of people tell me that. Look at that, Terry, the way they glisten. That's because I make sure that each one of my balls gets plenty of oil. I can't help but notice, Pete, your balls are a little misshapen. That's because I rested them on a hot stove for too long. Can I touch your balls? Go ahead, but be careful. They're very delicate. Wow. I can't wait to get my mouth around this ball. I like the way your balls smell. Do whatever you want to them, ladies. My balls are here for your pleasure. Wow, Pete. I have to say your balls are so tender. Well, there's no beating my balls. They're made from a secret sweaty family recipe. No one can resist my sweaty balls. Box, box. I should also mention that in 2006... Steve Jobs actually did one of his keynote presentations showing the making of a podcast in GarageBand, <laughs> which was one of his software additions to the Mac operating system. At the time, yeah. And how many millions of people work with that software? Exactly. I and, have. and it made it very affordable. That's the other key thing to podcasting is it requires very little money. Yeah. Not that it's easy to create something of value. It's not that simple as we know. No, and I'm glad right. you mentioned that because, in fact, of the 700,000 or so existing podcasts, 50 to 75% of them are no longer in production. Yeah, yeah. So you're picking up copies of existing podcasts because a lot of people that get into this business or get into the whole idea of podcasting really aren't totally familiar with everything that's involved, not just in creating it, but maintaining it. And we did an entire podcast on that, podcast number 76, mm -hmm. where we discussed all that. Right. And with the proliferation of podcasts being bought up by the larger media giants, I guess the question is, where does that leave podcasting as we move forward? with the smaller players kind of falling away and not being able to monetize in the way the larger companies can. That's yet to be seen. I mean, the pundits right now are calling from 2015 on the golden age of podcasts, which interestingly coincided with the uh, interview that Mark Maron, when he interviewed mm. uh, Obama yes. in a garage <laughs> in, in 2015, that was actually a pivotal moment. There were other events that happened, but that was a big one. And yes. they're calling the era from 2015 to now the golden age of podcasting. The reason being is that it's well known enough that it's only going to continue to increase from here because up until now, it's been primarily in English. But now the Spanish and other languages are coming into play globally. For example, in India, it's just exploding. 
And again, that's where the smartphone comes into play. Right. And yet, upwards of 30% of Americans still don't know what podcasting is or haven't even heard of it, really. So there's room to grow. Absolutely. Clearly. I guess the question is, every golden age comes to an end at some point. And the question is, how long will this golden age continue? And will it stabilize and stay kind of on the level the way radio mm -hmm. withstood you know, the saturation point. Yeah, how radio hung in there mm -hmm. as digitization came in and online programming came in. Right. Will podcasting be able to hang in there as the big boys gobble up all the content makers and monetize it all? Or will it start to plummet and become basically a fad that mm -hmm. will say, well, that was the golden age back in 2014. Now that it's 2023, it's right. done. Well, there's a lot of speculation right now because, as you said, there's a lot of jockeying for position. A few years ago, Apple was the player. Apple is slowly reducing its percentage of the total marketplace. In fact, Spotify right now is a very significant second. And there are other platforms, uh, including Pandora and others. And up until now, it's been primarily a North American-based thing. Yeah. Uh, Spotify, for example, is based in Sweden. They have a mm. lot more happening on the European continent in South America and Asia. It's becoming more worldwide. So in terms of how soon any kind of saturation point will be reached, I really have no idea. Mm -hmm. But I know that it's changing shape. It's morphing into something else. Because as you say, a lot of companies now, serious money is beginning to come into the arena as well. Like Spotify's invested $500 million with the purchase of a couple of key companies, which were purchased at three or four times their actual market value. Yeah. So generally speaking, companies don't do that type of thing unless they're really anticipating or willing to invest time and money into creating something that will augment the existing system. Yeah, and also, you know, it's a reflection, I think, of the impulse towards creativity, to create something. Yes. That all of these people, 700,000 people or more, decided let's create something that forces us to uh, do research, to give good content, to educate, to entertain, to yes. create something and put it out in the world that will last in a digital form for who knows how long. Right? Exactly, and it is something that, like books, it's not going to disappear unless you eradicate it in some way. It will be left. Yeah. Uh, there's information that you can always refer to. There are things that are timeless. There are things that are timely. Yeah. I mean, look at you and I. What has it done for us? We come from two different worlds, two different endeavors. We met in a cafe. We talked. What does this podcast mean to you and I? What does right, it mean to right, you? Right. Well, it's an opportunity to explore the world right. in a fun way, in a conversational way. And it's taught me many things through the research that I've done for each of our podcasts. We're coming up on, what, 94? Next one? Yeah, this is, uh, this this is, is number 93. Right? Yeah. So yeah. 93 podcasts. We have covered incredible range mm -hmm. of topics and uh, the history that we've gone into and, and the music and all of the aspects of culture. And it's a lovely thing to be able to do that and share in that. Not that we're trying to control the content and kind of grab the airwaves or something the way pirate radio maybe was doing. Right. We just want to contribute to the general well-being of the population through well-thought-out discussion. Yeah, well you know? said. That's exactly uh, my motivation as well. Uh, just contributing something or adding something. And in the meantime, learning a great deal. I mean, I've actually changed my opinion on a few things <laughs> over the course of two years, or I've looked at things a little bit differently. 
certainly have gained a greater appreciation for the arts. Yeah, when this conversation we're having now is going on around the world in different rooms, like this little room we're sitting in, where people are talking about, where do we want to take this podcast? How do we want to evolve it? What content do we want to bring into it? Mm -hmm. So it's a conversation that didn't happen that long ago when people would turn on their radios in the 1930s and 40s and huddle around the radio and absorb the content passively from that little box. We're pumping it out. We're giving it. But podcasting is very much a form of that fireside chat. Yes, the intimacy. The intimacy, because you're tuning in specifically for it. It's not like you're just randomly getting it. You're actually aiming to get it. Yeah. And to me, that's very powerful and something to be respected as well, because you can abuse it. Sure. And the fact is that in this technological age we live in, many things are being birthed that evolve very quickly compared to what would have happened 200 years ago, Mm -hmm. right? And so the evolution is fast. So 1999 to now is 20 years. I know. And so much has happened and 700,000 podcasts later, right? Mm -hmm. Here we are Mm -hmm. with the future. Who knows where it can go, as you say. Right. Right. And when you were talking about the golden age and the possibility of it ending and so on, the thought that came to my mind was one of the things I love about podcasting is that, yes, is there a possibility that the large corporate entity takes over a lot of this space? Yeah. Yes, that's definitely possible because money and in marketing, of course, dictate a great deal. But I have a lot of confidence in the human spirit and the individual ability to think beyond corporate. And so to me, when we do this podcast, I'm not looking to reach 5 million people. If I did, by some chance, great. (laughs) But even if I had 500 or 1,000 regular listeners who garnered something out of it and that I was able to help in some way. Because for me, if someone gets any kind of an uplift, any kind of information that makes their day better or their view of the world a little bit better or makes them just reflect on something a little bit differently or with another perspective that perhaps they didn't have, to me, that's a wonderful plus. Yeah. Like all our podcasts, Harry, we're always hoping that we get some response from people. And we would love to have you guys chime in. Right. on this or on any other topic. And we've made it really easy on the website, thesillpodcast.com. We've even broken down the categories for you so that if you like a specific area of some of the things we podcast about, there are five essential areas. They're all depicted in the all episodes menu tab. Yep. And we've got audio recording. You press a button and you can leave your voice message. Send it along. Become a part of the golden age of podcasting. Right on. Right on. Ciao. Ciao, Harry. The Sill Podcast, Perspectives on Art and Technology, is a Connecting Dots Media production, available at thesillpodcast.com. <laughs>